Thanks for joining us for this special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Arguing and bickering over the Bible isn't going to get you anywhere. In today's message, Pastor J.D. is going to remind you that you are to be known as a Christian by the love you show one another. Don't let Satan pin you against a fellow believer over spilled milk. You're called to have love and joy, not anger and jealousy. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on July 16th, 2023. Number one sign that the time of the end is here, not near here, and that the day that we can see approaching is approaching is deception on a scale unknown to man in human history, the likes of which we've never seen before. Number one, he continues, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, better translated threats of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And then in verse 8, he likens all of the above to the beginning, key word of birth pains. What do we know to be true about birth pains? They come in greater frequency and intensity. So Jesus is likening his return to a baby being born. I learned so much, more than any husband should know, about the birthing process over the years. But you know, when, when the, the, the birthing mother is dilated to 10, that is, is that TMI? The babies are coming. Now, now think this through with me. Jesus, and you'll forgive the silliness with which I illustrate this, but could you imagine once the birth pains begin, you, you can't push the pause button. Could you imagine the doctor coming into the birthing room going, you know, I've got a very important appointment and staff meeting I've got to attend to. I know the birth pains have started. We just need to hold off until I can, I can get, you can go, but that baby coming. Because once they start and increase in frequency and intensity, there's no stopping it. That baby is coming. And that's what Jesus is saying. Once it starts, 
There's no stopping it. There's no pausing it. It's going to be more frequent, more intense. All of these things that I'm listing here, they will be like those birth pains. But when it reaches 10, I think we're 9.9999999. The baby's coming. Number six, God doesn't want to scare us. God wants to prepare us. You know, this is one of the main reasons that you'd be hard pressed to find a pastor teach on Bible prophecy. Well, I don't want to scare the people. Well, first of all, you're wrong on two levels. Number one, Bible prophecy uh, may scare them out of hell into heaven. I'd rather scare you into heaven than flatter you into hell. I'm sorry for saying it like this. You'll forgive me. You have to forgive me. But maybe someone needs to have the hell scared out of them. Scared the hell out of me. Good. Are you saved? But that's not the purpose of Bible prophecy chiefly. What is the purpose of Bible prophecy chiefly? It's not to scare us, it's to prepare us. Listen to what Paul said, among other things, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the first two verses, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, now watch this please, and our being gathered to Him. Did you catch that? Did you make that distinction? Did you delineate between the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him? That's the rapture. Otherwise, Paul would not have been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this this way. He would have said something more along the lines of concerning the coming of our Lord when we're gathered to Him. He doesn't say that. It's a very clear distinction concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him. That's the rapture. We ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy. Prophecy is not to scare you, not to unsettle you. Do not become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. You missed it. See, there was a forged letter bearing Paul's name. It was a forgery that was circulating around the churches at that time in this area. And apparently the Thessalonian church was on the receiving end of this forged letter. And they had completely come unglued and become unsettled and very concerned and very alarmed by this false prophecy, this false report. You know, for me, and this has served me well over the years, the litmus test by which I know I've heard truth is when 
there's a peace and freedom that ensues. And conversely, when I've heard something false, there's an absence of peace and an absence of freedom that ensues. Why? Because you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know it's the Lord when there's a it's because James says the wisdom from above is peaceable. There's just a peace. And we've talked about the four legs on the table of knowing if it's God or not, or if it's God's will or not, if it's the Word of God, the peace of God, the providence of God, and the confirmation from God. And that's that scenario where it may very well come from a brother and sister in Christ who says something that only God knew you needed to hear. That's a confirmation. But they all have to be in tandem, in concert, one with the other. You can't just make a decision, especially a very important life-changing decision, solely on the basis of feeling a peace about it. No, it has to be compatible with the Word of God. The Word of God, the peace of God, the providence of God, the confirmation from God. And then what, what comes as a result is, I know that's the Lord. Why? Because the freedom, the yoke is easy, the burden is light. John said the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. That's the Lord. If it's burdensome and weighty, that's not the Lord. And instead of peace, I'm, I'm riddled with doubt and uncertainty, and there's no peace. Maybe there's fear. Well, that's not the Lord, because He's not given us a spirit of fear. That right there disqualifies it. Stand alone disqualify. So what's my point? My point is, is that guess we're getting back to basics now. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> now anyway, we're almost done. I got one more after this. I saved the best for last. But we're just going back to basics here. The purpose of Bible prophecy. God doesn't want us to be ignorant about Bible prophecy. In fact, that's why well nigh one third of the Bible is prophecy. You kind of get the impression that God wants you to know Bible prophecy. Why does God want you to know Bible prophecy? So you'll be ready. So you'll be prepared. He doesn't want you to be scared or unprepared. He does not want the rapture of the church for you to be as a thief in the night catching you off guard. This is what Paul continues to talk about to the Thessalonians. Number seven, and I think you'll see why I'm saving this one for the last, because we're going to kind of dovetail off of it. But Bible prophecy provides us with end times time stamps. And this is Daniel 9.27. And this prophecy here in Daniel 9.27 has kind of been at the center and brought to the forefront as of late. Let me just read it. 
Notice as I do the time stamps in it, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, a period of seven, seven years, seven the number of completion, the 70th week of Daniel, the time of Jacob's trouble. Israel still owes God seven years. So this is a a period of seven years. And the Antichrist is going to confirm a covenant, confirm in the Hebrew, again, same word in my native tongue of Arabic, ikbir, to make stronger in force, confirm, make greater, superior, spectacular, to basically implement and accelerate which implies that there was already something on the table. It would be like if we had an appointment and you know how they you know, will call you or text you to confirm the appointment. The appointment has to be set before they're going to confirm it. If there's no appointment, what's there to confirm? If there's no covenant already in place, what's there to confirm? Well, they're going to confirm what's already in place, this covenant with many for a period of seven, in the middle of the seven timestamp. He, speaking of the Antichrist, will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on a wing of the temple he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Now, This last one, this seventh one, and the common denominator with all seven, not to mention the numerous and voluminous others, is that they're all converging as we speak at breakneck speed. And this is why now all of it is coming to the forefront and being discussed. I think all of us would do well to take heed to God's Word, and in so doing, cease from all the arguing about God's Word. Do you realize that the world, the non-Christian, watches those YouTube channels that are bickering back and forth, arguing about the Word of God. Is it no wonder they have no interest in the things of God? I mean, they get enough of that in the world. And they look at us, as one said, and I think it's well said, we are not very good advertisement for Jesus. I think we misrepresent Him and we bring reproach upon the gospel and the name of Jesus Christ. See, Satan knows this, and this is why he does this, because the litmus test by which we're known to be disciples of Jesus is our love one for another. So Satan flips that around because E-V-I-L, evil, is backwards, L-I-V-E, live. 
So he flips it around, diabolical. And because we'll be known to be his disciples by our love one for another, wouldn't it stand a reason then that they would question whether or not were his disciples, or even question the Lord, if instead of loving one another, we're fighting with one another. We're no different than the world. In fact, as we talked about in one of the most graphic chapters in all of God's Word, Ezekiel chapter 16, of which one said it should not even be read publicly, let alone taught, well, I read it and, and taught it, and you guys endured it, and we're going to get t-shirts that say we survived chapter 16 of Ezekiel. So graphic was the chapter in its parabolic nature about an unfaithful wife of Jehovah Israel, whoring, playing the harlot. And in, woven into that ugly chapter, and it's an ugly chapter, and it's there in God's Word, not to show us how bad Israel was, but to show us how good God still is in spite of how bad we are. Because at the end, God says, I still want you back, and I want to clean you up like I did when I first found you, when you were left to die, your umbilical cord not even cut. You weren't washed, you were just abandoned. And I found you, and I cleaned you, and I adorned you, and I married you, and I made you my own. You became mine, mighty fine. And then you broke covenant. You broke the marriage vows and committed adultery. But God still took them back after all they did. And you know how bad it was? It was worse than you can imagine. You know it's bad when in, it, in Ezekiel chapter 16, God inspires Ezekiel to write that you made the Philistines and Sodom blush. That's bad. Hey, what you did was worse than what the women did in Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, <laughs> but I still want you back. I still want you back. Here's my point. I, I, I wonder, I, I, are we worse than the world when it comes to this? I think sometimes the world treats their own better than Christians treat their own. I'm sorry to say, but I think that sometimes Christians can be so mean. Meaner than even the world is. I mean, when it comes to arguing and bickering and fighting and slandering and gossiping and attacking, and I think Christians get the award for that one. Well... This was just my introduction. I'm hoping that with this understanding we're better able to biblically, biblically process the stunning prophetic developments in recent weeks.
By stunning prophetic developments, I mean the recently revealed details of this year's upcoming United Nations Sustainable Development Goals SDG Summit 2023 to be held in September on the 18th and 19th in New York. Of particular interest to those who are students and teachers of Bible prophecy is the specificity with which this year's summit agenda seemingly comports with everything we're told in the Bible about what will happen at the appointed time of the end prophetically. Namely, specifically, chiefly, supremely, a lot of synonyms there, that was pretty good actually, during the seven-year tribulation, which we are on the cusp of. And in all fairness, it explains why it is that many, present company included, are getting pretty excited. Are you kidding me? Actually, I think it's backwards. The question is, is it, why are you so excited about the possibility of the rapture happening this year? No, wrong question. There's no right answer to the wrong question. Let me rephrase the question, make the question right so we can get the right answer. Here's the right question. Why aren't you excited about the rapture happening this year? Huh? Oh, we got plenty of time. Well, it's now. We got another 50 years. (sighs) That's a whole nother argument. So someone like me has the spiritual spine to stand behind this pulpit, which is my privilege to do every week, except when I'm not here, and have the spiritual spine to say, no, we don't have 50 years. We don't have 30 years. We don't have 20 years. We probably don't have 10 years. We don't have really any more time. And here's why from Scripture. And I'm pretty excited about it. And so my question to you is, why are you excited? Oh, maybe it's because you still think we've got 50 years, and you're all about what kind of a world we're going to leave to the next generation. The next generation? No, this is the chosen generation. This is the last generation. This is it, folks. That's all, folks. (laughs) Is that how it went? That was pretty bad. Sorry. The end. That's all, folks. And it's not just some wishful thinking pie in the sky, baseless claim. No, it is based on sound doctrine from the infallible Word of God. Because again, remember, God wants us to know, and God told us that we will see the day approaching. So... I see the day approaching. You don't? Why don't you? Because you're not looking for it. Why aren't you looking for it? Why aren't you looking up? Because you don't think he's coming yet. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. 
You've been listening to the latest prophecy update that Pastor J.D. has been sharing. And as always, it's fascinating to hear and learn about how the things going on in the world relate to things predicted in the Bible. If you're ever interested in finding out more about this ministry, head over to jdfarag.org. That's jdfarag.org to learn more. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to come check out our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. There's a Calvary link at the bottom of our webpage, so look for it at jdfarag.org. That link will give you more info on service times, directions, and more. Also, on our website, you'll notice a tab at the top that says ABCs. This is a helpful tool if you're in need of understanding a more in-depth view of what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you or any friends or family need some clarification, this should help clear some things up for you. Again, that website is jdfarag.org. Next time, you'll get to hear some more interesting things about current affairs and how they relate to what the Bible says to be true. The prophecies in the Bible were not just mentioned casually. Every prophecy written in the Bible will come to pass. So there's much to understand about what's to come. We look forward to that time with you and hope you'll join us then. Until then, may you be looking for wisdom from God in spirit and truth.